You're listening to Dispatches with Johnny Eberly. Over the course of the past few episodes, we've been exploring the concept of nostalgia and how it plays into narratives, both personal narratives and fictional ones. We've been thinking a lot about the past, how the past influences the stories we tell. Today, in part three of our three-part series, we're going to take a step back to the future and examine retrofuturism, a subgenre of speculative or science fiction. So fire up your rocket engines as we embark on Tales of Nostalgia. Part three, Blast from the Past. Imagine for a moment that you live in the early 20th century. It is an era of unprecedented change and technological advancement. Electricity, automobiles, airplanes, radio, and other innovations have reshaped your everyday life. If you were to look to the future, you would probably think that the pace of change would continue unabated. From your vantage point, it would be reasonable to assume that flying cars, interstellar travel, and robots would be commonplace in just a few decades. We can't visit the future, but we can imagine it. And because our imaginations are limited, the way we picture the future often bears a striking similarity to our present. Now, this usually goes completely unnoticed at the time. A novel or film can feel groundbreaking and wildly futuristic to contemporary audiences, and hopelessly dated a generation later. If you look back at the pulp era of science fiction, you'll find stories that feature space travel, but not computers as we know them today. The design and language of the time feels like a throwback to us, but when it was written, it was cutting edge. Take Metropolis, a German expressionist silent film released in 1927. The film imagines a dystopian future where rich industrialists oppress the workers who make their paradise possible. It's a timeless theme, and yet today, it's so obviously tied to when it was made, down to the subtlest Art Deco detail. What makes retrofuturism so fun is that it does this intentionally. It draws on the past, its aesthetics, its values, its cultural norms, to tell stories of the future, or alternate histories. The most famous example is steampunk, a subgenre of science fiction that sets its tales against the backdrop of the Victorian era. As time marches on, retrofuturism gets more and more material to work with. There's also dieselpunk, one of my personal favorites, which borrows liberally from the 1930s and 40s. You can also argue cyberpunk is quickly becoming retrofuturist, as those stories continue to be tied to the ethos of the 1980s and early 90s. Someday, maybe 50 or 100 years from now, a science fiction author with a love of history will set one of their stories in the long-ago smartphone age. What I love about retrofuturism is twofold. I appreciate the quality of escapism and absurdity inherent in steam-powered starships and jetpacks and ray guns. When I dive into a story with a retrofuturistic bent, like the movie Gattaca, with its fedoras and streamlined cars and film noir shadows and invasive genetic screenings, I know I'm going to be swept away into a world that is utterly familiar and yet starkly different than the real world. 
I also like the way it comments on nostalgia. The best retrofuturist tales don't make fun of the past for getting the future wrong, but rather they celebrate the imaginative ways our forebears tried to predict what was coming. It's an exercise in empathy for past generations that invites us to step into their shoes, squint into that bright light on the horizon, and try to make out the blurry shapes in the distance. When we borrow from their worlds and our futuristic visions, we're also borrowing their sense of wonder at the monumental changes they must have felt were just around the corner. I've always had a soft spot for this kind of storytelling, and a love for richly detailed visions of the future as imagined through the lens of the past. That's probably why, when I was searching for an escape from reality during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, I wrote an audio drama script with strong retrofuturist influences. The Adventures of Captain Radio is a show within a show, a pulpy sci-fi adventure radio drama that exists in a world where humans landed on the moon in 1930, and flying cars are a popular way to commute. I had a lot of fun writing both the -the over-the-top retro techno babble and the commercials for products like a home computer small enough to fit into your basement. The second and third seasons, which I've written but which we haven't recorded yet, go further, incorporating news bulletins that give the audience more insight into this alternate world where Amelia Earhart is a famous astronaut instead of a famous aviator. I think we can learn a lot from retrofuturism and from the futurists who came before us. When so much science fiction today is filled with bleak dystopian futures, retrofuturism reminds us not to take our predictions too seriously, because we will be proven wrong in the end. And it offers us a glimmer of hope that we too can dare to imagine futures brimming with astonishment at the wonders humanity is capable of. That's all for this episode. And that wraps up our three-part series on nostalgia. You've been listening to Dispatches with Johnny Eberly. I'm your host, Johnny Eberly. I'm a writer, podcaster, and storyteller with a penchant for old movies and vintage aesthetics. I live in Tacoma, Washington with my family, a dog, and three adorable typewriters. You can listen to my audio drama, The Adventures of Captain Radio, anywhere you find podcasts. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating and review. And then head over to my website, jweberly.com, to read more and sign up for my monthly email newsletter. Dispatches with Johnny Eberly is a production of Obscure Studios. This episode was written and edited by me with music from Pixabay. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.